you think about those memories that are etched in your mind, like the the high stepping fill, yeah, the the Fogarty chant during the the <laughs> classic championship battle, you have Muzzer Muz Muz Muzzer the Guzzler and Coker <laughs> hanging out at Barnaby's and. Oh. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget any of that stuff. Super so, rope. I don't think I've had a super rope. Super since. rope. Treat and tickets. Just Seriously. Literally spending a chunk of our childhood at yeah. that place, you know, yeah. just the, the, the bonds that we've created. And it's, it's, it's incredible, really. Yup. You heard my buddies Mangus and Pippi there. Memories etched in your mind. Spending a chunk of your childhood. Lifelong bonds. They're talking about the original Eastside Little League in South Bend, Indiana. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Memory Mission. We are a slice-of-life nostalgia podcast where my friends, family, and I capture some of our more memorable moments in the studio, and then I share them with you in engaging and fun audio stories that I'm confident you'll feel a connection to. A couple of months ago, I was looking at the reviews on Apple Podcasts, and somebody had written that Memory Mission is a slice-of-life nostalgia podcast. This whole time, I've been looking for just a few simple words to kind of capture the essence of our show, slice-of-life nostalgia podcast. Anyway, in 1939, a man named Carl Stotts from Williamsport, Pennsylvania, started the first organized boys' baseball league, eventually named Little League Baseball. In 1974, Little League softball was introduced, and today, literally millions of kids across the country play some form of organized baseball or softball. From the late 1950s until the early 1990s, there was a small, two-field Little League park on McKinley Avenue in South Bend, Indiana. Many kids in our side of town had a blast playing there, but the space was simply too small with no room for expansion. So the original Eastside Little League closed its doors and relocated. Therefore, all we have left are the fond memories that will be etched in our minds for the rest of our lives. Over the next few episodes, you'll hear us share some of these memories about Eastside Little League. Now, I'm sure that Eastside was like thousands of other little leagues across the country, and I'm sure that millions of other people share similar memories. But, obviously, Eastside was our little league, our social club, our place, where we learned a hell of a lot more than just baseball. I sat down with longtime friends TJ Kosher in the studio, and then Nick Mangus, Brian Pipke, and I met together virtually. The majority of this episode is simply a collection of our memories. And while listening, you'll get a feel for how much that this place meant to us. Even though the stories that we share were 30, 35 years ago, you can tell from the excitement in our voices that Eastside Little League was truly a special place. Then, at the end of the episode, my parents and I take it way back, back to the beginning. Nick, Brian, and I talk next, and what you'll hear is a prime example of how Eastside Little League was much more than simply a ballpark. It's where lifelong friendships were born. But just think uh, about, guys, think about the, like, what we've all been talking about. Just, dude, Eastside was, like, the foundation of a lot of our relationships. Like, it's even us that didn't oh, go to the question. same, even, like, we didn't go to the same elementary school. 
But right. we were friends long before we got to middle school through Eastside. You know, That's like right. it's a it's a foundation for a, a, a huge group of us, like a huge foundation of our friendship. Like, it, you, 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 dude, you couldn't say it more clearly, dude. Like that that foundation, like it. it it was the old East Side Little League. I mean, it was like a social club almost. Yeah, there was and, almost a sense of pride. Yeah, you know, they, I mean, it helped that we won a lot, you know. But like, it was almost like a prideful thing to play for East Side. Like, we were proud. Nick, of it. Nick, you remember uh, was, uh, hanging what's out? This wee business. My team didn't win shit. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, just we in general, like you know, yeah. like All Stars and stuff like that. The East Side right. was known. Also, it's yeah, like, we were we were right. we were top notch at All Stars, man. Yeah, that but was it was squad. it was bragging. I remember all of us would rock our East Side hats. Just yeah. not even at Eastside, but just around Absolutely. the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, we're proud remember, of it. Remember all the remember all the pins that we would collect when we yeah. uh, would, would win all the All Star uh, pins, like a division. Yeah, yeah the All Star pins that yep. we put on our hats. Absolutely. And and it, Nick hit up our Nick hit up on it a little bit ago, going to Pipke's game, and he didn't even have a game. And and Pipke hit up on it when he was hanging out at Mike's practices and game. Like we hung out at east side and just watch each other play man always always. like if i had i remember there were like weren't there like two time slots for games on saturdays i think there were oh saturdays maybe maybe three or four yeah i don't don't remember spend the entire day at the ballpark exactly literally hang out with your friends you're you're not gonna leave for several hours yeah you know if if not the whole day just hanging out and i don't at the cantina (laughs) (laughs) all kinds of different groups of friends too and they all came together like it was just crazy and think of this, we were we were assholes at the time. And if you've listened to any previous of our episodes too, like we were I mean we, we're knuckleheads, but I feel there's a healthy respect for Eastside Little League. I don't ever remember us acting a fool up there. No, not really vandalizing or any, yeah. you know, anything stupid like that, like stealing the bases or you know, trying trying to But we, we did were, that and we were stuff. knuckleheads. We oh, were knuckleheads, yeah. but we wouldn't do that though to Eastside. I, I, I just think that we had a special reverence for it that we wouldn't have done it. And believe me, if there was a way to find mischief, we would have found it. But not at Eastside. Next, Nick and Brian talk about driving past the former location of the Little League and how now it's just a field of wildflowers. I'm actually kind of sad that it doesn't exist anymore. I I, I wish that that was still there. It was so freaking cool, dude. And to be and, to be able to take people there and just like reminisce about what it was like, you know. Oh, and, I still do it when I changed. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, man. No, no, I no, still do. I still do it when I drive by there because it doesn't look. You know, I mean, it looks like nothing was there. Like when I still, I still like with people like new people I might be driving with or whatever. I'm like, man, East East Side used to be right here. You know, I spent hours and hours, hundreds of hours of my life, and this just and it looks so small now. It looks like a small little field now. Yep. There's US 20 and it's just a two lane little highway. And it's just a field with wild, they're like growing like wild flowers and wild, like they're letting it grow a little bit. So it's not like a neatly um, mowed yard. Flat. And it's not flat either. If you look at it, and it's almost gone back to like it's. it's And, and it's, it's crazy. But I went on a jog last year. I think I jogged through there and you could, it's, you could still see where it's flat where the fields were at. Oh, really? And then it kind of goes down kind of on the outside where uh, the the parking was at. You can sense somewhat where the um, uh, clubhouse was at, 
So then you could somewhat sense where home plate was at. And I, mm-hmm. I'm almost positive I was standing right near home plate. Oh, you had to. And, you had to. And, and so, oh, I had to, you know, but, but imagine somebody passing by seeing some Damn near should have went and did a Jake, did a, did a Jake <laughs> oh, from uh, Major League. Jake Taylor uh, in Major <laughs> League. That was out of there. What was that, a curveball? Uh, dude, a swing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you were wearing, especially if you were wearing some tight jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some penny oh, loafers. <laughs> It just wouldn't be a baseball-related episode without a major league reference. Next, TJ and I briefly described the landscape of the original Eastside Little League. You see, it wasn't your normal location for a Little League, and I'm sure when it started, they really didn't think that it would grow to be so popular a few decades later. It was on private property owned by a housing co-op called Walnut Grove that was built right after World War II for returning soldiers. So near the ballpark were a bunch of little, identical, brown, bi-level houses. And as you'll hear, also very close to the ballpark, was McKinley Avenue, a busy two-lane road with cars and trucks just zipping by. If you knew the area and you were driving past, you definitely had to keep your head on a swivel and watch out for flying home run balls. Here's TJ and I describing our memories of the unique location and how motorists now have no clue what once stood there. When we talk of Eastside Little League, in my head, when I think of Little League parks, I think of big parks with like six or seven fields and multiple concession stands and giant parking lots. Not our Eastside Little League. No, we just had two fields back to back. Back to back. Beautiful fields, though. I mean, the dirt yes. on those fields. That is one of the, my most memorable moments, seeing uh-huh. that dirt for the first time. Growing up, we would run down a school field yep. if we wanted to play on a field, and it was this moon rock, Ugh. like a real white, grainy, uh. like rocks, man. But real thin, but it just wasn't the same as Correct. we would see on the TV. Where, uh-huh. You know, we were big fans of the Cubs, and you know how Wrigley Field looks, and mm-hmm. that like burgundy, you know, almost brown dirt you know right and we get to east side it's like that grass infield you know we didn't have grass infields in the parks but at yeah. east side we had a grass infield. yes it wasn't so a softball they're baseball diamonds right and it made it more professional yes looking. we had a big right field fence uh-huh reminiscent of boston yep. the opposite side of the field yep reason why is metal the, monster the field was shorter on that end i uh-huh. believe it was about 180 yep 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 and so they had to raise that up not one because it was close but two to protect <laughs> the other kids on the other field you know that's how landlocked it was yeah and it was just beautiful man uh great uh you know they would do advertising on the wall like most little leagues now and you know they had a bullseye out there Uh if you hit the bullseye you get like a free hot dog so that was always you know everybody's just waiting for that to happen right just stuff like that uh you hit a home run you could hit a car there's a (laughs) McKinley <laughs> Highway, I think it's called. It was a 20. Highway. You know, there's cars, you know, 20 <laughs> feet from the fence. So if you get a good shot, chances are you can hit a car going 45 miles per hour. And that happened. And it happened. I seen it. Yeah. Happen. And that happened. Yeah. And we'll get to a guy later on who's a legend who probably hit a few cars. Yeah. And oh, Gibby. That, yeah. That was. <laughs> well, we talk about that kid. <laughs> but yeah. So there was. It wasn't a baseball park tucked away, dude. It was right next to a, a highway, a two-lane highway with 40-mile-hour traffic and literally, like you said, 20 feet from the shoulder of the road guaranteed. Yeah. 
I mean, right there. Right. And then you, and if you drove past now, folks have no clue that a literally diamond was right in that swath of land. No, no it's clue. just a bunch of, it's like a butterfly sanctuary or something now. They yeah. just let, let it, it grow over. It's like a natural, you know, you can't touch it. Yep, exactly. But there was a lot of memories on that land. Boy, exactly I drive right. by it, and in my brain, what do you think in your brain I see when you it. drive past? I it? see it. Talk I see the little hill we walked down okay. to get down to it. Uh-huh. Remember, it was like up. There was a hill, it yeah. was like a valley kind of, mm-hmm. and then it leveled out. Uh huh. I remember getting out the car, running up there, you know, seeing who was playing. Like on days, I'd go down there just to watch the games, you know. And right, it's just I don't know how to explain. It. You'd walk like the. Uh, the announcer's booth would hang over so you mm-hmm. could like walk under the announcer booth where the concession stand was. Right. Like I remember green. it was painted green. Yep. Like it was a, green. It was green. Like a forest green. Yep. And type east color. side was in yellow, I think, I written think you're on. Right. Yeah. But I still visualize it. Like I said, I'll cut through that little area right over there. Yeah. And I'll look to the left and, and memories just go yeah, through your head. And I'll tell my son, like, man, I still home base <laughs> twenty feet right there, dude. Right there, you know. <laughs> The title of this podcast is obviously Memory Mission, and there are certain places and events in all of our lives where there are just countless amounts of memories, and Eastside Little League is definitely one of those places. So over the next few minutes, you'll hear how as even 43 and 44-year-old men, easily 35 years later, we can still recount vividly memorable plays, uniform colors, who played on what team, and even what snack we bought after the game with the 35-cent treat tickets. Next, mine and TJ's memories of the uniform colors are so vivid that to this day, when we see any of those color combos, we instantly think of Eastside Little League. To this day, TJ, when we talk to other folks and, and cats who played at Eastside Little League, we go back to what teams they were on then. Oh, they were yeah. like our own little armies. Yeah, And exactly. we played with each other all day, hung out and everything. But once, then once we got to Eastside, that competition, yeah. though, now. We was on a different team. We're on a different you know team. what I'm saying? And yeah. t- we, me and you can go through every team and remember the even the colors. Yeah, so what I'll we start, start we with got, your team. We got Racket Club. They, we were orange, orange blue, and blue, and white. And to this day, TJ, when I see orange and blue, I love that color combo. Yeah. Every time I think of Racket Club. Every Me time. Too. Exactly. <laughs> we got uh, Burton's Laundry, mm-hmm. who was originally Pepsi, who was originally black and yellow, I believe. You're right. right. You are correct. Then they switched to the red with the blue. Yeah, yeah those were nice. They, they was, those were nice. Those were nice. We had uh, South Bend Hardware. Uh, Oh, yeah. Carolina they, Blue. Mm, Carolina with the Navy numbers. Oh, beautiful jersey. I was always jealous of that jersey. Yep. I like that one. Yep. Me too. Um, We had, uh, what was it? At, what was it? At, Adams Engineering Adam at engineering. first. Or was it Dodge, Dodge insurance. insurance? It was Dodge Insurance. That's what it was. That's what it was. And uh, they were maroon and yep. yellow, or yellow and maroon. Yep. I think they were yellow and maroon one year, and then they were maroon and yellow the next yes, year. Yes, you're right. You know? That's that's Dodge Insurance, Adams Engineering. Yep. And then Orange Asphalt might have been a separate Yeah, they were. Team. They were just black, black and silver, possibly. Yep, black and Mangus silver. Mangus played for them, I think. Yeah. Then we had Wendy's. 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 Uh, gray and red? Yeah, gray and red, like Ohio State colors. Hipkey played for them. Uh, Bone did. The Berries. The, the Berries ben- played for Wendy's. Yeah, the Berries played for Wendy's. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, and that was before Dan Barry had a major league team sponsored up there. Right. My team was Eddie Stylus, who had the most godforsaken colors in light brown, dark brown, and orange. Yeah. It looked like somebody just vomited on a on a shirt and said, "Here, kids, wear it." Yeah, it looked like a <laughs> like a picture of Padres throwback, yeah. but the Cleveland Browns, like oh. two tone brown though. Oh. They had the tan and the dark brown. Nasty, nasty. <laughs> uh, and I think- then there was an expansion team, McGann's Funeral Home, okay. which wore green and white. You okay. know, they uh, like Jeremy Hand played yeah. for them. Yeah. There are certain games that stand out to us as players, but also as spectators. And we hung out at Eastside Little League all of the time to watch the fierce competition on the field and to hang with your friends. Next, Pipke and Mangus recount a game where Pipke was pitching for Wendy's against the detested Burton's Laundry. And then a chant formed from the Wendy's crowd. Dude, do you remember that? Do you remember that game where all of us were in the stands, like cheering you on? Oh yes, we, with a ruckus. We just hated, yeah. hated Burton's with a passion. Mm. Yeah, that was that was one of those cool games. I actually still remember parts of. You know, like, so, talk to me. So I don't, I don't know if you I don't know if you remember this, Emery, but uh, Pipke had a nickname. Okay, his uh, his <laughs> favorite player, and and he's wearing a Cubs hat right now, so he'll know who I'm about to refer to. It was uh, Andre the Hawk Dawson, and. Uh, I, I I guess Pipke came up with this nickname for Dawson because he had such bad knees. The F word that, that he called they he called him Fogarty. Yeah, the Fogarty. Okay. He was a, he was a right. Fogarty. Right? I remember that really, got really into our vernacular like, though when we were kids. Oh yeah, like, you absolutely. Old Fogarty. And it's yeah, yep. So, dude, so, in this game against Burton's, we get this chant going. <laughs> when when Pipke comes up to the play, there's like I don't know ten of us in in the stands. Yeah, all all, all these buddies watching this game because it was I don't know if it was a championship. It was a it was a big game though. Right. And uh, Pipke came up to the plate, and all of us were like, "Let's get a chant going." So all of us at the same time, Fogarty, 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 and then before you know it, it's spreading to the parents. All the parents, Fogarty. <laughs> On both oh. sides, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't just the windy side. It was oh, the burn yeah. side too. You look over the Fogarty, Fogarty. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember. What, I, I know you did. I know you dropped the bomb in that game at least once. You might have done two. I, I homered once in, in that game. I, what's crazy is I don't even like remember the end of the game. I just remember like when you have. I mean, how cool it was. You know, you're a kid and all your friends come and like legitimately cheer you on, partially because they're your friend and partially because you're playing like the the Darth Vader of the of Eastside Little League, you know what I mean? But like, it was just a cool experience. Like that doesn't ha- didn't happen often. Like I mentioned earlier, there are certain memories that are forever stained in our brains. Next, TJ describes one of those memories when he thought that he was Ricky Henderson blazing on the base paths. Speaking of Eastside Little League and memorable plays, um, you had mentioned that you were up against Burton's Laundry, 11 years old. 11 years Talk old. Talk about it. So uh, Burton's and Racket Club, the team I played uh-huh. for, we had a league-tying record. You know, okay. So at the end of the season, we had to play a playoff game to determine who was the league champions. Yes. So 
I'm sure you'll hear later on in this podcast or earlier on in this podcast mm-hmm. about a guy named Grad Dad Gene, which led to the environment. His voice yeah. is one of a kind, and we'll talk about that yeah. in depth. But so no hit game, both sides, bottom of the third inning. I'm up. I lead off the inning. First pitch, I get the first base hit of the game right up the middle. Uh-huh. You know, I remember all this because I have it on video. Yeah. And I'm sure somehow we'll put the audio in yep. here and you'll actually hear the moment. Yeah. So I get on first base. First pitch, I steal second base. Okay. Second pitch, pass ball, I go to third base. Uh-huh. Right? So no outs, no hit. Well, one hit game now. Mm-hmm. I'm on third base. <laughs> you know, now that I've watched baseball and stuff, I know I wouldn't do this. Right? <laughs> but as a kid, this. I want to be the man, you know? <laughs> so in my brain, I'm already going to steal home. Right. So... There's another variable to this. The pitcher for them, his name was Ryan Takash. He uh-huh. was a great pitcher. He, I think, led Penn to the state championship when we were in high uh-huh. school. Um, his little brother was the catcher. Also so, a pretty good player in, in yeah, his own right. In his own, for sure. And uh, I want to steal home. Mm-hmm. I want to steal home in the championship game, in a mm-hmm. no-hit game, bottom of the third. And I'm going to do it regardless of what people say. And, TJ, before we move on, the bases in the major league games, the pitching mound to home is 62 feet. In, right. in the in the Little League, I think it's 40 feet. Yeah, so you're talking this is nothing. This and is... you cannot leave third base until the ball passes home. Yeah. So the way I did this is called the hesitation <laughs> steal. Very first pitch, you know. I'm watching earlier in the game how mm-hmm. the catcher will throw back to his brother, and it's real lackadaisical. Uh-huh. He doesn't even look down the third. He lobs it back every okay. time. I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm too fast. Uh-huh. I can beat this by, you know, in my brain. I've already done the math. I was like, man, I can beat yeah. this. And you're so, 11. I'm 11. Scheming. Yep. Championship game. Uh-huh. Third base. So, first pitch, boom. Phil Schwanky. Yeah. Shout out to Phil Schwanky's up the bat. <laughs> he takes a swing and he misses. Mm-hmm. The video shows catcher looks down at his glove, throws the ball back to the pitcher. Then you see a blur. He's playing third base out there. Number three, that's Phil Swanky. Yep, orange, orange blur, blur. flies Boom. by. Boom. There, I stole it right there, championship game. We ended up losing that game. But that moment, uh-huh. me prancing away from yeah. s- s- doing that, uh-huh. it's been a while since I felt that good. That's that's you know unbelievable, I mean? dude. Yeah. And, and not only... All right, you're 11 years old, probably playing all day outside, whatever, possibly. Yeah, you were playing outside summertime. You get... The game is not just a normal game, dude. It's, right, it's, it's a big game. It's a big game. All eyes are on the field. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing all those things that that can teach you and the memories that just last in your head. Yeah, well, you look for moments like that because that's where memories are made. Yeah, you look for the tough match. You look mm-hmm. for the uh, game that really means something. Correct, and that's where you really learn. Yes. like who you are. Yeah, exactly. Right. And. And in that little moment, think about the life skills. I know it seems trivial, but right. dude, taking risks. Big risks. But calculated. Calculated you risks. Did, you stood back and as an 11 year old and observed the two brothers playing catch. Yeah. And you realized, oh, 
I can do this. This is a yeah. calculated risk. For sure. You know, and you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't have been in too big a trouble if you would have been out. I mean, right. it, 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 it was a yeah. calculated risk. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, TJ was definitely always a scrappy, grinded out kind of player. And what's funny is Pipke even brought TJ up in the midst of our conversation about hustling. We are talking about the father of another player on our team who was definitely quite the character, John T. Benson. And he used to want us to dig hard when running the bases. Except when he yelled it, it came out as, D-R, D-R. Here is Pipke Mangus and I talking about John T. and also TJ. You remember Tony Horvath and John T. Benson a little bit. Oh, my lord. Oh, yes, yes. John T. Bench, John T. Benson, the legendary. So, what do you remember? Go ahead. Go ahead, ahead, Pipke. No, I was just bringing up the Benson, you know, and then Sean Benson. And then just briefly earlier, you talked about uh, kosher. You talk about two of the most like Mr. Hustle awards of all time, dude. Kosher and Sean Benson. Like, those dudes gave 110% at all times. Like, Yep. Running those base paths, you know, Sean's dad running at him from the sidelines. He better, he better dig hard. <laughs> That's what- <laughs> but him, him and Kosher, Kosher was like one of those guys too. He, like if we weren't friends with him, he would annoy the crap out of you just because the way he kind of, you know, the go hard at everything. Like sometimes yeah. like, did he even need to hustle that hard on that play? But he like, but he would, he would just go hundred 110% every time. Like, yeah. He's like the AJ Pruszynski. Like he's, he's. An asshole, but our He's asshole grindy, or something. Yeah, yeah. The grindy little. Pretty much every ballpark across the country has their own concession stand, and Eastside was no different. We used to clamor after the game to get our 35 cent treat ticket. Next, TJ and I talk about the concession stand and what you could get for that treat ticket. It's just amazing the little things that we remember. We, um, Went up there. We we hung out during the day. We went up and played hardcore competition, memorable plays. And there was a little 35-cent treat ticket. It was like a little carrot in front of our – we were like little dogs oh, with yeah. our little toys. It was orange, too. So after every <laughs> game, you you would shake hands, and each team had like a team mom. Uh-huh. And the, the little league would give tickets to that team mom, and she would hand out – tickets to each individual player that ticket was worth 35 cents now 35 cents goes a long way uh-huh. back in what was it 35 years ago easily <laughs> easily 35 <laughs> years ago so what you could get for 35 cents back then was like 10 gummy worms mm-hmm. three packs of now and laters bottle caps you know the super yeah. ropes popcorn hot dogs mm. and just the smell of the yep. candy the popcorns the hot dogs you, you look forward to that uh-huh. after a game. I mean, yeah, if you lost, you still got your treat ticket. Still got your treat <laughs> yeah. ticket. But if you won, oof, that was like the icing on the cake, you know? That, that salt and that popcorn tasted so good. Oh, that was the best popcorn there. <laughs> like, after a big win. <laughs> oh, every time I smell popcorn, I still think about those days. Me too. So it's it's of- weird. It's one of those, like when you hear a song, it makes you think yep. of something. Like, yep. When I smell popcorn, I think of Little League. Uh-huh. Me too. I do. Mm-hmm. I think of that place. Next, Pipke and Mangus share another one of those memories that have stood out in their minds after all of these years. And this happened to be Eastside Little League All-Stars versus a rival City Little League. And one of the Eastside players' antics were none too appreciated by the other side. The only thing that I remember, and my dad still remembers it to this day because he was a spectator, 
was at the end of the game when we like scored the, the winning run or the tying run. It was Phil Lammers was on third. And I can remember it as high clear stepping? as day. Are you talking about the high, high stepping? stepping all the way from third base to home. Yeah, that started that started a good old-fashioned brouhaha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that. See, this is what's great about doing a podcast with multiple people because you can bring back memories. I absolutely yes. remember that. Oh my god. And that yeah, caused I, a little that caused a little brouhaha. Like, you know, it did. I don't parents think, and the other the, team were yelling. After the game was over with, I don't think they let us shake hands. I I think that Ooh. it was so heated, like they were like, okay, no, no shaking hands, because we're you know, we're pointing fingers and yelling at each other and yeah, and I think Poopy almost got into it with somebody earlier in that game too. Over, it was like a slide at second base, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I think Poopy, I remember Poopy. that. I was in the audience there. I think because uh, I just I remember Phil. It was like a cocky ass move. Yeah, that was. Was that thirteen year olds, Nick? Do you think? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, might have been twelve. Might have been twelve of them. Lord. You just heard a collection of the memories that stood out in our minds, and you could just tell how much this place meant to us. Next, we go back to the beginning, to 1984, the very first year that Eastside Little League offered T-ball. Now, my memories of that when I was five or six years old are very minimal. I just remember that we had yellow uniforms. My parents, on the other hand, their memories are much more vivid. It was the first year at T-Ball at Eastside Little League, and I was on a team called Stability Mortgage. But the coach quit before the season even started, and therefore my dad and another neighborhood dad, Mr. Kinney, got roped into coaching. What you'll hear next is the story behind that season. You'll hear my dad, Joel, and my mom, Kim, recount their memories of that season. I can just only imagine how much responsibility was placed on my dad and Mr. Kenny. They were tasked with building the foundation of a lifelong love of the game of baseball. They were tasked with making sure that we had fun and all the while learning the fundamentals of baseball. What an absolute huge, huge responsibility. What you'll hear is they tried to accomplish this through old school tactics, three practices a week, even though we were only five and six years old, and even 7 a.m. Saturday games to the delight of the parents. You know, that first year, like Mom mentioned, I didn't mind it at all. The (laughs) games were at seven o'clock on Saturday morning. Uh, Tim didn't mind it. As it turns out, a lot of the parents didn't care for having to have their kids there at 6.30 <laughs> on a Saturday morning. Oh, what the, the hell's wrong with that? Baby. Six-week-old so baby. Let's set, the, let's set the scene. Back in 1983-84, there was something new that hit South Bend, Indiana, especially Eastside Little League, and it was called T-Ball. You bet. And you and Mr. Kinney volunteered to coach my, me and Timmy and Danny, possibly. You bet, yep. And you were the head coaches, the managers of the very first year of T-ball at Eastside Little. You're entirely right. Now, we I, were... I'm, I'm go, go for it. I'm sorry. We were railroaded into that because, <laughs> because we had signed you boys up uh-huh. 
And then all of a sudden, at well, the very beginning of the season, the coach quit. And Chris Kinney oh, really? called okay. me uh-huh. yeah, and said, Joel and Tim are going to coach. <laughs> right. It's just like, you know, it's just like we got railroaded into being no, the PTO president. She asked she, if Joel would be interested. Yep. And I didn't know Tim then. Tim was just this yeah. very quiet guy. That's that right. That would have been early on. Anything. That's right. 83. I didn't know him at all. Yeah. But I thought, okay, well, thank heaven because mm-hmm. I got to know Tim. And he became one of our best friends. Yeah. To this day. Yep. I had no clue that at that time you really didn't have too much of a relationship. Didn't know him at all. It's funny how it works out. Some of the guys that I met at Eastside Little League are still my good friends 35 years later. Mr. Kinney to this day is a dear friend of my parents. Next, my dad shares how in tuned the two of them were in the field of child development and how they used that knowledge to prepare their players. Do you remember if you and Mr. Kinney had a game plan going into the season at all? We had a huge game oh, plan. Well, let, let's talk. Let's talk about this game plan. And preparedness okay. was key. That was the, that was crucial. With the new T-ball, unlike now, uh-huh. scores were kept, outs were made. <laughs> it was just that simple. We had a, a scorebook. I didn't know how to keep score, but Tim did. You know, you put the little letters there and you cross that out and you, you know, uh-huh. just yeah, whole, you put the little line to first base to you second bet. place, that so little graphic. He knew how to do that. And we had uh, must have been twelve or thirteen kids. Yeah. And here's the rub. We we were only scheduled for six games. Okay. Seven AM Saturday <laughs> mornings before the big kids got to play right. the ballpark. <clears throat> yeah. So six games. Yeah. In our preparedness uh, practice, right, we got together three practices a week, <laughs> and this is and this is several weeks before the season started, and we were going to drive it into these little five and six, yes, right, That's year it. olds, five and six, who didn't know Jack. <clears throat> About baseball, of course. <laughs> neither did Tim nor I, but at least we knew enough. Or kids couldn't argue with us. Yeah. Exactly. Child yeah. Or child yeah. development. You two were right. no <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but I must say, you guys were great with those. Oh kids. yeah, and we, you, you know, and so all patient. these kids, they were so that first they year. They were you. such nice kids, mm-hmm. and you know, boys and girls. Correct. There were a few standouts. Yep. And then there were the rest. Yep. You know, yep. uh, and it worked out beautifully. And, <laughs> however, while the technical aspects probably were not drilled into us as much, we formed good relationships spending that much time together. Think that, of that. Yeah, you know true. what? Wow. That wow. took me by surprise. You're right. <laughs> you guys spent more time with us than you did with the damn that's families. That's what I'm saying. Like we, we, oh, I'm true. sure we formed positive relationships. <laughs> you bet. Spending and, three three nights of practice a week. <laughs> yep. And we were, And now what parent wouldn't... Uh, parents don't care if we got together on a Friday night, right? Because that's what we did. Now, <laughs> our little granddaughter, your niece, Quinny, she has Girl Scouts on Friday nights. And we're looking at each other thinking... Man, what a stupid night to have Girl Scouts. Oh, but you're having practice. But yeah, on we're a in practice. That's a different story. <laughs> and that was 40 years ago almost. Next, you'll hear us discuss the actual rules of T ball at the time. You had to keep score, there were only three outs an inning, and you had to rotate players at certain positions. 
Now, if you know all about T-ball now, it is completely different. Uh, at least when my sons played, that all the players were allowed to hit each inning. We def- we did rotate the players around, but we never kept score. We never kept a scorebook. A uh, little bit different here are my parents. You bet. Keeping score, so we would have to use that's amazing. Uh, uh, you know, a strategy in our lineups. Now, Insane. with no score being kept and all the kids bat, yep. you just bat them. Yep. You have them line up by their by their shirt number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Yeah. Man, we didn't. We had to try to get so and so on base, so and so here, and then also one of the rules was may still be this way. You could only have a kid play first base and pitching one inning out of the game, three inning game. In other words, you needed six kids that were natural oh, athletes because they're that close. You bet they're closer up and then closer up space, and they get to high skilled positions. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, they don't have anything like that now. We just rotate them around. But, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. I think they learned a lot. I think they learned that. a lot. Yeah, yeah they probably call <laughs> it the Kenny Emery rule. The Kenny Emery rule. One no. practice a week you for five year olds. <laughs> no, they exactly. all were cutthroat. All those oh, just were. something fierce. Yeah. That was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's hilarious. Earlier, you heard TJ, Mangus, and Pipke share a few memories of games that they will never forget at Eastside. The same is true for my dad during that first year of T-ball. Our team was was terrible, but they were all terrible, but not really. We weren't good, but we went into the final two games of the year uh-huh. with a record of zero and four okay and then we were had to make up a rain out okay and we made that up on a friday night if memory serves against the vaunted nancy's windy city undefeated team all right man i'm getting choked up was this the game was this This legendary this was the legendary game all right where their coach even couldn't believe I think their coach had even said something about this was a girl who was scoring or what have Uh you. I don't even remember that. But yeah, you guys beat Mm. Nancy's Windy City. Mm. It was fantastic. Mm. That's why I'd love to have that scorebook to look at what took place. Oh, my goodness. But it was really tremendous. better than Notre Dame winning the national championship. Oh, man. It was (laughs) the greatest baseball game I ever was involved with, ever. (laughs) Of course, these are the first baseball games I was ever involved with, ever yeah. to begin with. And then the next morning we went, we met at 7 a.m., played the same team again for the regular schedule game. And got game smoked. And beat them again. Oh, we beat them twice? You bet. So they we got two and four. snake bit. Oh, yep. see, don't, don't not ever underestimate. You bet. That's for sure. mortgage. We wrap up the T-ball story with something that I couldn't imagine a parent would let happen now. Mm-hmm. That was the year that we had this one little boy, kind of slightly pudgy little guy, and he just kept dogging it all the time. Mm-hmm. He was a nice little kid. So, you know, he was dogging it. Come on, dude, let's run. And so finally, at the end of the season, at the end of the season is when his mom tells us that he's got asthma. Like, oh my God, you have got to be kidding me. No wonder his dog is up. We were literally oh killing God. the child. Oh my God. <laughs> and so nowadays, you, parents make it known up front 
Well, I'm you thinking know. even back then they had to sign some kind of form. Yeah. <laughs> what, in like in rock <laughs> and in chisel <laughs> on the wall? <laughs> you bet. Yeah. Yeah. Think, oh, yeah. That's too funny. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Memory Mission. I hope that it reminded you of your little league and the smell of the popcorn, stealing home base, chanting Fogarty, and even when you needed union representation as a six-year-old because your father, who was also your coach, had you playing the majority of the week. That's happened to everyone, right? If you like our show, please be sure to share with a friend and also like, follow, or subscribe on whatever podcast app that you listen to it on. And while you're there, leave a review. Also, follow us on Facebook, Memory Mission, Twitter, at Memory Mission, or on Instagram, at Memory Mission. You can also email us at memorymission at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.